Welcome to the Why Not Today podcast, where we celebrate courage, determination, and the power of saying, why not today? I am your host, Leslie Kane. Each episode, we dive into inspiring stories of individuals who have taken bold steps, faced their fears, and embraced the possibility of today. <clears throat> From entrepreneurs to artists to dreamers to doers, we explore the moments where they said, enough waiting, why not now, or why not today? Join me as we uncover the heartwarming, the audacious, the transformative, whether it's pursuing a lifelong passion, overcoming obstacles, or simply choosing joy, our guests share their journeys and inspire us all. I started this podcast in honor of my father, Patrick Kane, who often said, why not today? Remember, you're just one decision away from changing your life. And I always say I'm excited about my guests, but I'm really excited about my guests today. And you got to smile, mom. <laughs> so this is my guest, Susan Kane, who's my mom. And that's the most important guest I could possibly ever have because this podcast wouldn't be possible. I wouldn't be possible without her. So I twisted her arm and talked her into doing this podcast episode with me. But I thought as we celebrate season three, the start of season three, and the sec we've um, celebrated two years of podcast episodes, um, I thought it would be perfect to have my mom share about courage and stories and lots of things that she's done courageous, um, including having six children. And we're just going to talk about fun things. So, um, mom, why don't you share a little bit about you and a fat, a fun fact that somebody might not know? A fun fact. A fun fact. I'll have to think about that. So, as Leslie said, um, I'm her mother, mm -hmm. proud to be 60 years. Shh, oh, I'll tell you that. Say that sorry. out loud. <laughs> oh, you told my age, so <laughs> had it publicized. Um, anyway, so Leslie and then five siblings, uh, spaces between the first four and the last two, which was courageous. Um, I worked outside the home for many years and then retired several years ago and live in uh, 10 minutes from Reston with our my youngest daughter, Amanda's sister, Le Amanda, Amanda, Leslie's sister, Amanda. <laughs> so what's a fun fact about you that nobody knows? Can't think of anything with something fun. Childhood something. What was your first, one of your first jobs? This is kind of a cool thing. Where'd you work at a car place? Didn't you work at Studebaker's? Oh, no, 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 no. no. Oh, that just happened. Studebaker's happened to be in a community next to where I grew up. Okay. Yeah. I thought maybe you worked there. All right. No. Well, what does courage mean to you? I always ask my guests that. So what is courage uh, to you? Well, listening to some of your other broad podcasts, um, I don't think courage needs to necessarily be related to anything um, life-threatening, terribly, terribly serious. Uh, I think it takes courage to just deal with a lot of, of uh, life issues. Um, I was just thinking about this when Leslie and I first talked about uh, me being with her doing this podcast. And I said, why not today? <laughs> I was a little uh, anxious about it because I wasn't sure uh, I had as much to share as some of her other uh, people that she's interviewed. Uh, but just in retrospect, thinking years and years ago, actually um, 60 plus years, um, just walking down the aisle of what seemed then a very, very long aisle at Sacred Heart Church on the campus of Notre Dame and saying those I do's, because it didn't really cross my mind at the time. <laughs> However, 
um, venturing into a, obviously a new life relationship, but leaving the only place I'd ever lived. I was 21 and moving to Buffalo, New York, where I'd never been before and didn't know a soul. Um, so that, as I said, in retrospect, that actually was pretty scary. Took some courage. It was scary. Yes. Um, yeah. So you've done lots of things, as you said, when we were talking about this, like, I don't have anything to share what I've done courageous. And I could make lists and lists and lists and lists and lists of things you've done. So first of all, let's talk about your faith. And I think this is courageous that you on your own, without your parents even knowing, um, converted to Catholicism when you were in I high did. school. I was in high school. I was, I went to um, a private Catholic girls uh, school, high school in South Bend, Indiana. And my parents were um, Presbyterian, devout Mason, Eastern Star. Didn't have a great love for Catholics. However, two of my favorite friends or my best friends in school, grade school and um, junior high were Catholics and they were going to this school. And it was um, it was a boarding school, but there were townies, uh, girls that went <laughs> I never there thought that, of you as a townie. Well, <laughs> lived, lived in South Bend. So it was kind of a, college prep, um, not really finishing school, but it was a whole lot different than the public school, which well, there were two public schools in South Bend and I really didn't want to go to the one I would have been in the district for. So I convinced my parents to send me and then, um, and they had, uh, there were only 200 students in the school, um, 50 in each class. And we had, uh, they had chapel, which was required for Catholics uh, students every morning before classes started. So I started, I don't know when it was, maybe sophomore year or so, going to chapel with my friends. And I just, uh, over time, embraced the faith and um, pursued being baptized. That back then didn't have the catechism classes. So it was a, a priest was, was a friend of uh, someone that I knew, um, actually someone I became engaged to, but not your father. <laughs> anyway, uh, at Notre Dame, and he kind of had several private sessions. And then, so it was a one-time deal. I was baptized, um, confirmed, and made my first communion. And um, unfortunately, when I told my parents this, they were very, very upset at especially my father. Um, well, you know, I always talk on podcasts about the story behind the story and there's always a story and the stories change and grow. And the story that I thought I heard is, and probably wrong, is that you went to the Easter vigil mass at Notre Dame and were confirmed in the Catholic church and grandma and grandpa saw it on TV. But I guess maybe no, that was wrong. It was wrong. Uh, <laughs> there was nothing. I mean, this was, it was private when, okay. when I was, when I received the uh, sacraments. However, they um the midnight mass at Notre Dame was um televised okay and that's what uh my parents saw and then this this is again way way back so there were kneelers at uh, the altar and you walk up and uh, kneel to receive communion and of course they saw that and when I got home all hell broke loose <laughs> yeah so, yeah, so that was courageous. And then, um, and we keep referencing Notre Dame and she grew up in South Bend, Indiana, where Notre Dame was. And my dad went to school and that's how they met after he graduated. Correct. So <clears throat> you guys got married at Notre Dame, which is pretty darn cool. Um, and then um, how quickly after you got married, did you move to Buffalo, New York? 
of three weeks. We three went, weeks. went to California on our honeymoon, flew back to South Bend, packed up Patrick's, your dad's car, and uh, drove to Buffalo. Wow. And this was in uh, May. Well, and I think there were still remnants of snow in May. Well, and you know, it's those hidden blessings from the courageous things you've done. So with you guys moving to Buffalo, probably my fondest memory and connections is there was one of dad's business partners um, or somebody worked with um, Jerry Bauer and mm -hmm. you guys became very good friends with the Bowers. And we're still to this day, friends with the Bauer family. Connected. And they moved, they were in Buffalo with us, but moved back and forth. Um, they were in Reston at one time. Yeah. And Reston oh. a couple of times, I think. And their kids were like my older siblings, my older sisters. So it is fun just that those connections were still there. So you're in Buffalo for all of two three, years, three years, three years, the best day of her life when I was born. Um, and then my sister Alicia was born there. And then of course my dad decided it was time to move again. Well, so, his, his company opened an office in Bethesda and asked him to uh, run the company. So we moved from Buffalo to Bethesda. And actually, so we moved uh, to Ruston in July of 66. You were two. Leslie or Alicia was five months old, six months old, and I just found out I was pregnant with Brian. Yeah. So maybe so that's that a courage. That too. definitely takes courage. So here we are in a brand, another brand new place, pretty scary. We drove, um, drove out to Reston, flew into, into National, drove out to Reston. Route seven was two lanes. Tyson's Corner was anybody listening knows what Tyson's Corner is. It was a gas station on a, a on a road, just the uh, Route 7 and whatever crossroad, but it was a gas station. That's all it was. Today, it's a mini city. Mm -hmm. So we're driving and driving and driving. And your dad says, well, it's just out a little ways. <laughs> so, we, but we get to um, the road that goes into Reston, turn in on Village Road. And after being in Buffalo for three years, I said, I don't care where we live, but I want to live here. It was ultra modern, contemporary uh, lake. And there weren't many houses, a variety of, of houses, townhouses, apartment, and a few single family houses that uh, were even were built yeah. by then. Rustin was barely here. So that took courage to move and take two and a half kids there. And then um, I would probably say the most, and these are my recollections of courage things, is when I was, so there were four of us. So then my brother Chris was born. And then 12 years later, my sister Catherine was born. And this is probably the story we share. And I remember my sister-in-law, like hearing the story and going, you aren't serious. I'm like, oh, we're so serious about this story. So when, um, I don't know, I guess dad had the grand idea, which is so funny how I followed in his footsteps so much working for myself, traveling a lot. So he worked for himself. And thinking back, I mean, it was a pretty bold thing that he did and a gift that he gave us, although I didn't appreciate it. I was 16 years old and they bought a 25 foot camper. I think it was 30, but 30 something. I drove it at 16, which was pretty scary <laughs> um, and packed up. And we left July of 1980. Mm -hmm. Catherine was all of five weeks old. I was 16, so Alicia was 14, 14 13, and 12. 12. And then Catherine was five, all, weeks. five weeks old. And we packed up and left and were gone. I used to know exactly the time. It was five weeks and 30, so many days and so many hours days. and minutes. And because I was 16 years old, and the last thing I want to do was be with parents, family. I want to be with my friends. I just got my driver's license. And 
I didn't want to be with my family traveling. And so um, I think you drove all of maybe 20 minutes. Maybe. Maybe. And then myself and my dad drove legitimately legally. And, you know, they gave me as a uh, 16-year-old the wheels of a, I guess, 30-foot camper. Um, and so what the heck was going through your mind taking a five-week-old well, and four other kids and being gone for five weeks in a camper? Actually, that was going to be one of my um, courageous stories. So the night before we left, dad had been in California on business and brought the red eye. So I'm laying there in bed and I, of course, had my, uh, all my spices and these things that I mm -hmm. felt are electric skillet things all the important and, things and the, already packed up in the camper. So that night I couldn't sleep because I was laying there thinking, what the heck are we doing? Five week old baby. But, um, as it turned out, it wasn't that bad. No, it was uh, definitely an adventure a, and it was fun. We had mm -hmm. a, we had a system going, we'd get up in the morning and uh, of course dad and I'd wake up, I'd make coffee. And then because Catherine was awake and everybody else slept. But when everyone was roused and we had this plan, all right, we had these maps, National Geographic. I saw those the other day in somebody's house. Yeah, maps. They were in a mm -hmm. orange like or yellow wax, box, wax cloth in a yellow box. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we'd get off the map and dad would say, All right, you kids, where do you, how far do you want to go? Where do you want to go? What do you want to see? So we kind of plotted out no cell phones. And uh, yeah, which was thinking back on now was kind of scary. Mm -hmm. um, well, and yeah. I remember we you I remember you saying the deal was that we stayed in hotels part of the time. Uh, I think we stayed I in even like agreed to go unless dad. We stayed agreed. in a, we barely stayed in any hotels. We didn't stay campgrounds and we and we get to the campground and we picked the campground as the kids with the fun things to do. And then you or dad would get to do work. He would go to this to the pay phone and do his work which yeah. was crazy it was fun um so yeah we went on lots of adventures as kids not just yeah. that but also I have fond memories of dad would have work to do and he we just all throw us in the car and went we'd to go Maine. Went, to went to Maine, Maine went to Florida and he'd go work and you'd drive us around and entertain us um the other kind of thing uh, let's go back to the camper thing so this is the crazy story and hopefully there aren't any police officers listening i guess um statute of limitations is expired and people can't believe the story but we were driving this 30-foot camper now i'm 16 legally driving i said but alicia brian and christopher who chris was i think 11 at that point he hadn't even turned 12 yet drove the camper at some part because my dad had to get his martini and so the well, seat yeah, swivel and do that until we can't. No, he did. Um, I'm the, seats, the seat swiveled. So he would swivel the seat and slip out and one of us would slip in and drive. Now we were in the middle of nowhere going down straight highways, probably going way too fast. But that was the first experience of us driving. Yeah, there were some crazy experiences there. The other thing too is when I was nine, 10 and grandpa Kane died, I remember coming home from school and you going, you didn't have to go religious ed class was called CCD. I distinctly remember going, you don't have to go to CCD today. I'm like, cool. It says your grandfather died, which it wasn't traumatic at that point. Cause I don't, we knew him, but we oh, didn't, he didn't he live did. here. I lived in California. Yeah. So literally so I'm we met, and... I remember we meeting dad and he coming home from the airport. He traveled a lot and jumped in the car and we went to California and we were there for three, four months. We didn't jump in the car. Well, he got in the car and no. we went, no. We, and then we flew. We yeah. We dad, flew, yeah. but Actually, dad met us. Yeah, dad, dad had been out of town, but he came. I think we met in New York or something because yeah. John, his distance talker, took us 
partner took us to the airport. And, right. Uh, yeah, we flew, all flew out. Yeah. So, but we got there and you put us in school and we lived there. Well, from November, he passed away. Yeah, three, four months. And actually October, because that's another fun story. October until February. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that was a fun experience, but you put us in school. You had to take, you had four kids. I remember, do remember distinctly coming back from, um, and you, we literally left with suitcases and my dad was traveling back and forth and you went to Toys R Us and came back with all these cool toys. And I still remember that. And it yeah. was a great experience. So we've had lots of cool experiences. And then probably two years later after the epic trip, um, and this was a very courageous thing and it still takes courage every single day, is raising my younger sister, Amanda. So Amanda was born with Down syndrome. You did not know until the didn't day she was born. And didn't wasn't even sure what it was. Right. And um, it was a traumatic delivery. And... She was born with Down syndrome and we didn't really know what it was or anything about it. And at the point Amanda was born, I remember several people asking, are you going to keep her? <laughs> and I'm like, a very you? close friend of ours. Yeah. Said that. Well, and at that point, a lot of people with Down syndrome were institutionalized. Actually, the nurse that was in, because I had an emergency C-section, who's in delivery, uh, said after she, after she was born and she's telling us she's what she is and she's never going to be normal. And she said, you know, you do have the option of placing Amanda in uh, whatever. Crazy. And, and, and they didn't even, didn't they even ask you if you want to be in the, in the, another area in the hospital away from the normal mothers? Yeah. Yes. Like crazy. So but Amanda. Of course your father being what he was, he looks at this nurse and challenges her to what is normal. Yeah. In fact, he have, I still have it. He uh, dictated a letter on the way home from the hospital that night and I'm sure he did and I have it yeah about this what what is normal so yeah Amanda is now 42 and the big 41 she'll be 42 this I guess she's already on her 42nd birthday um planning it not till July but yeah it's been a courageous journey for all of us raising Amanda and all the things, the challenges. I remember you putting her on the bus to send her to preschool and, and followed the bus and she had open heart surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, and so lots of courageous things going through that and raising Amanda and it's taken a village. Well, and I was going to say that. Yes. So it's all not dad's, us. not dad's uh, original saying, but he always said it takes a village and it did. It, did. it was our did. faith community, our resting community. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, so as you mentioned, dad always, and that's kind of the premise for the Why Not Today podcast, he always saw a positive side to things. And he always said, it's figure outable. And is that a word? It is a word. There's oh. actually a book somebody wrote us. It's everything's figure outable. And it is. And we've had lots of challenges. And um, my dad had a major stroke in 2000, and we didn't know if he'd live. And that you know, was a courageous thing. That was a courageous thing. So we've had lots of ups and downs and you've survived all of them. I think I did. You have. And raised six amazing kids and we're all successful. Have seven grandchildren, one great grandson, which is crazy <laughs> that I have a great nephew. Um, but so let's talk about dad as we celebrate the anniversary. You're not allowed to cry. We were going to record this on his birthday, but um, we're not. Um, so what are the traits of my father, your husband, hmm. that you admired the most through, you know, your whole, you guys were together for almost 50 years married. 
Um, he passed away. And that's a whole nother funny, that's courageous, courageous, what, funny what story. Do we, what do we do now? He passed away. They had planned their 50th wedding anniversary for Sunday, March 11th. And my dad decided to pass away on Tuesday, March 5th, his, his birthday. birthday. Yeah. So the funeral was Saturday and the party. Was we still had the party because that's what he'd want. Um, but so, yeah. So anything you'd want to share about the courage he had and the things, traits about my dad that uh, I wish I would have um, thought about them. Um, so when, when your dad passed away, and you know this, I think, there was an outpouring from people he'd mentored, people that he knew well, people that he never, that he didn't know at all, but they, the outpouring of these, these uh, thoughts and people shared all these things. So he, he was, he was always, and he, he was a, he was a professor of sorts. I mean, he not really, actually, he was an adjunct professor at George Mason and UVA, but he was always trying to educate someone. Someone would ask him a question and he'd turn around oh, and ask, ask them a question, a question. Which I admire now and I see as a positive. Annoying. But as a child and especially in school and trying to do your homework, like, just give me the answer. But he'd always stop and listen to people. He was uh, way before his time with uh, just projecting his thoughts and uh, case in point is Tyson's Corners. He uh, That was his... Um, he did a study in 1980 on what Tyson's Corner should be, which it is now. It's like this crazy? little city and bringing the train mm -hmm. to Reston and which is ironic because uh, we were on the first ride and I think it was, it was uh, what, two months, three months after he passed away. Yeah. It's something he lived for. Yeah. But uh, always respectful to uh, other people. Um, uh can't think of anything yeah. else well, involved. I, always involved. He was always first to jump in and be involved. Yeah. It started in 1966, uh, Western Catholic community and uh, our faith community. Um, so he, he was just wanted to be involved with and, live, play, yeah, live, work, work and play. play. Absolutely. And, and, and I think it took courage on his health journey because he had the stroke, but and he lived 13 years later. He, he passed want, away. Yeah. He was like, I got things to do. Um, I'm going to live on the side grass. And that took courage for you to be patient and be kind and caring for him because he was not always the most easy to deal with, especially through his. Well, yeah, dealing his, with his limitations. Yeah. So his left arm was always paralyzed. Yeah. And he was, but he didn't give up. He, he was, was demanding. As you said, he did, when we left our move from our lake house to a townhouse, he would walk. I don't know how far a walk it was longer because he walked had walked with a cane um and to the plaza and he figured out how to take the bus from the corner where we live yeah. to the library and uh yeah so lots of courage and i think he passed on to all of us um both you guys both of you are courageous um he was more out in the public doing stuff you were behind the scenes making sure everything ran um you know, and yes, you did work outside the home, but I don't rem I mean, remember that after growing up, but I always remember you were the Kool-Aid cookie mom, you know, coming home from school, but you would, we'd come home from school and she's out with her friend laying out in the sun, but she had cookies made and sitting there and, you know, always made every event, everything special and you still do. Um, and you got lots of courage stories. We could talk all day long probably and such yeah. a blessing and you've passed on so many amazing things to me to other my siblings um lots of courage so how would you encourage somebody else to be courageous well actually i think 
a lot of it is you don't think when you do it no. that you're doing something courageous. You just kind of step up to the plate, so to speak. And I know the last year um, before your dad died, I go to bed at night and thank God I had energy to get through the day. And the next morning I say, thank God or ask God to get me, give me energy to get through another day. Um, so it's, as I said, it's, I don't think it's just things that you may be doing day to day that you don't really sometimes, realize how much courage it's taking sometimes you to it's, I always say it's out. just getting out of bed some days mm -hmm. and doing the next thing. And, you know, especially caring for Amanda and life and life happens. And we just have to look mm -hmm. at it a positive way and yeah. have the courage to say, okay, I don't know why God is placing this in our in our path, but we're going to figure it out. Yeah. Well, Amanda's a case in point, perfect example, not knowing what we had ahead of us. Um, and, but dad, I don't, I, she was maybe a month old when he already had her signed up and to go to Fairfax, which I drove her two times a week. Um, but for a daytime development okay. classes and, uh, um, but um, there are so many people throughout our lives that we wouldn't have known, wouldn't have connected oh, with if it, it hasn't wasn't been for Amanda. Amanda. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, she is definitely a joy. And, you know, I think she's got the best courage attitude of anybody. And she just does the things and lives her life and looks at the bright side. And we laugh about this now, but when, and you probably don't remember this, but the day pa dad passed away and I came in, it was late at night and I came in and it was pretty chaotic. The police were here and priest was here and we're all a little hysterical and I walk in Amanda in Amanda fashion and goes my dad died can I have a cell phone <laughs> like was okay. it a cell phone or it's tv anyway one of the tv well, too but well, the cell she phone wasn't quite so brave because then she just yeah she fell apart but, but she's yeah. brave because she lets her feelings out and most of us hold them back and we aren't courageous enough to say I feel rotten and this sucks and I don't like it, but mm. she does. I'm sad. No. You know, she talks about her dad. Yeah, she did. Dad. She did this morning. She said, because every day she reminds me, Leslie's birthday's Friday the first. Dad's birthday's next so, whatever. Yes. As we're fifth. recording this, it's we're recording at the end of February and we'll come out beginning of March. And in between there, I have one of those milestone birthdays, which we're not going to talk about. <sighs> Can't believe it. But doesn't she look good for uh if you're watching this? live so thank you for doing this i know it was out of your comfort zone it took it a little was, courage but you twisted me i did and you i just appreciate said you presented it. me with why not today why so. not today it's a conversation so thank you everybody that has followed and watched and listened to the my not today podcast for two years which is crazy to think it started with an idea and then grew into this and who knows where it's going to go so um Thank you for joining us and for sharing your inspiring story, mom. Remember, every day is an opportunity to take action. Choose your dreams and make a difference. So why not today? You can subscribe to the Why Not Today podcast on any podcast channel. Share it. Um, keep pushing forward. Make sure um, you're saying why not today. And remember, you can get some Why Not Today swag and merchandise on the website. Follow us on um, or check out the the Why Not Today podcast at whynottodaypodcast.com. We have a Facebook group, which is a Why Not Today community. And starting next week, we will have an official Why Not Today newsletter. So mm -hmm. until next time, stay motivated, keep making things happen and say, why not today? So thanks, mom. You're welcome.